0: Welcome to the Wander Learn podcast. I'm your host, Frantz Tapon. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Malushka Kalindris. What's interesting about this episode is that you will not actually hear my voice. I edited my out because it's a YouTube video and I was far away from the microphone and I just thought it would be good for the documentary that I'm making about the Unseen Africa. And so you're just going to hear her talk on YouTube. I have some overlays that show the question I'm asking her, but even in the audio-only format, it's still quite useful. The entire interview is less than 12 minutes long, and I think you'll find it interesting. She talks about her life, having lived in El Salvador, United States, and different parts of Africa. And now she's thinking about moving to England. She's from Haiti originally. She is now living in Dakar, Senegal. Enjoy this episode with Malushka Kalindris.
1: Hi, my name is Melushka Kalindris. I'm what you call a third culture kid from the US, but originally from Haiti. And I've lived in several countries. So I've been able to um, live in Central America, Caribbean, El Salvador, Guatemala, Haiti, and the US, different states. And now I am living in Africa for the last three years I've been here in Africa. Right now I'm working for an international organization, Save the Children. In terms of helping Africans, I think the best way is actually to educate oneself and not to go with the stereotype. So by learning more about Africa, by learning more and considering Africa as a continent, not as a country, to actually learn about the diversity in the cultures and the many historical facts, I think it will really help Africa more um, in that manner. If people take the time to discover what Africa, this continent is really about. The way that I was blessed to have Senegal to move my family to compared to some other countries like Niger, like Mali or Burkina Faso. Um, one of the things that I have enjoyed here is the fact that I can express myself and not be worried, especially as a woman, um, around um the level of safety here. This is one of the safest country that I've ever been to, to most of the countries, even the US, El Salvador, Haiti, Guatemala feeling so safe and watching, you know, walking around in the streets at any time at night. People here are extremely friendly and very open. And one of the things I have to say that um, really marked me is the tolerance in terms of religion. So in this country, um, they celebrate all of the Muslim holidays and all of the Christian holidays. This is something that you don't find often. So whether it is Christmas or whether it's Ramadan even the day of the virgin mary assumption in august 15 is a holiday so that's not something that you find in in many other african countries in that mixture where you have you know major ceremonies they will have um a muslim representative you know say a prayer and then they'll have a catholic representative say a prayer at the same time and very mixed in you know in terms of families and that's something that's very different Many of different um, African countries that I've been to. Being a, a black non-African, you know, in Africa comes with its perks, and it also comes with its downside. So they will expect that I adopt certain culture, certain behavior as a woman. On top of it, the moment I do open my mouth and they see I don't speak the local language and I am dressed differently, they'll put me in the in the tubab category, but a black tubab because tubab is. Um, foreigner white, but I'm a foreigner black, you know, in that manner. Um, But at the same time, it also opens doors, whereas my counterpart that are white and foreign, they may not be invited or integrated in certain setting because automatically, you know, that whiteness will appear. And I may be able to slide into um, uh, uh, at ceremony or a gathering without showing, without showing major differences in that matter. So that allows me to open door certain discussion I'm capable of having. So there's conversation I'm able to do that. My other counterpart colleagues or friends that are white are not able to bring in because it will ruffle sensitivities. What took me a long time to figure out about this region in the States will have, um, time is money. You know, you are in a hurry. You want to get things done. You want to get results here. Um, I do find there is a laid back attitude in the sense that nothing is really that urgent. You know, you need to take the time to drink your coffee. You need to take the time to socialize. You really need to take the time to greet and not just go straight dive into business. And so that's something here that um, I have learned around. You know, really take the time to acknowledge a person, to talk to them, to look at them in the eye before going towards what you're looking for. You know, your, the purpose of your question or what you need from them. In OCDE developed countries, we still haven't reached you know, that universal healthcare, that universal education. So um, continent like Africa has a long way to go. There's a lot of progress that has been made, but um, organizations like you know, non-governmental organization, they're going to be around for a while until we get to a point of humanity understanding that we're not alone on this planet, we're not alone on this continent, And we really need to be sharing our resources in a matter and utilizing our resources without waste. So that way it is enough for everyone to go around. People that are concerned with the fact that those that are going to countries to aid are actually the abusers also. um, I think they need to understand that there is an added responsibility for people that are going to help, you know, in development or in humanitarian However, in society in general, abuse happens all the time. Moving from El Salvador to Western Central Africa was an eye-opener as a woman. Um, coming from Latin America, where my entire career was with women leaders, women bosses, that was something that really was um, a shock to me. And I had to do a lot of adaptation because I came into a region where it is male-dominated. I mean even if we think you know in the Americas, we still haven't reached that parity, but um we take for granted everything a lot of stuff that women have been able to achieve in the Americas so here, um gender has been something major. I've had to teach myself how to talk and how to navigate because i come I'm a very um outspoken vocal um, activist and so on, but I've really had to learn to moderate my way of talking so I don't ruffle um, sensitivities and gender wise so I could get my message across. So whether I'm doing training or whether I'm talking to officials um, in high position, I've had to learn to adjust, you know, in that manner. But one of the things I've had to do is because of the fact that I'm also black, And I look African, um, from West Africa. I also often have to make sure from the very beginning that they realize that I'm American or that I'm Haitian or else, um, I may not be taken or heard, you know, in that manner. And so that's something I've had to teach myself from the very beginning. I always start to say, Hey, I come from the U S, you know, I'm Haitian, you know, my last residence was El Salvador. So please excuse my language, but this is, so I have to make sure of that or else they may be complete shut down. In a conversation and a lack of respect so that's something in that manner I have really had to do I've also had to look at um, pay attention on the way I dress because whether I want to or not there are cultural norms here that have to be respected so when I before going to a country if it's more predominantly Muslim I haven't had to wear a veil but I've had to make sure that Um, I'm not exposing too much skin. And I've had to also accept the fact that I will go places and people, men will not greet me because I'm a woman, you know, in that. So there are, um, there's a lot of adjustment I've had to make gender wise, you know, from the Americas, Europe and to here, because these are cultural, um, cultural norms, especially in terms of gender. And that's something that um, I've been learning to navigate. You know, I've made a few faux pas, but Um, I've been learning to navigate and to accept but it has been difficult you know in the transition that's one of my most difficult I have to say transition I had to make they're very child friendly so they really adore children so this is a place where I have no qualms you know leaving my son in the car for five he's a ten-year-old for five minutes ten minutes rushing into the supermarket at the beach um, even though you're keeping an eye, it's not the same way that you're keeping an eye because everyone in the community is keeping an eye on your child. And this is a place where even if I'm telling my son, for example, I could be walking supermarket or, you know, in front of a a, per- a vendor and telling um, my son, you know, that he shouldn't behave that way. Senegalese will stop me and tell me, um, ma'am, this is a child. There's no point of you being upset with this child. You know, he doesn't understand. He just wants to play. So don't be mad at him. And they will. And then I'm not the only one. So I have other friends, other moms that will tell me the same thing, other dads also. So here there is an interesting culture, you know, um, in terms of child rearing and really the value on children in that manner. Now, on the other hand, um, I also have to say that it's very helpful for you know, single mom. I didn't start off as a single mom here, but as a single mom now, I do have to say that the context allows me to keep an equilibrium with um work and social life balance and doing everything that's needed required for my for my son but it does allow you know having the support and the help around there's a lot of activities for children all types of prices so they do offer um a variety of activities for families so this is an activity rich um area there's a lot to do with children for families here compared to um europe even the us and um and the americas and so on. They scold adults for being too strict. However, the way they raise their children also, it's in a manner of full respect, you know, in that sense of possibly not even requiring for an adult, you know, because more any adult, I mean, in this culture, you could tell any adult can address the child to say, um, what you're doing is incorrect. You need to stop what you're, and without fear. So any adult will address a child or a parent you know, if there's a behavior that's inadequate, there is no qualms about that. That is true here. The future of Africa rests in the hands of youth. I see a lot of change happening with technology and youth, where youth is going to have a bigger presence in terms of politics, a bigger presence in terms of, of their voice and say, because the last century, it has been um, very major adult-wise, you know, older adult-dominated. So I do see um, youth taking over. Um, it's technology that's going to drive this in the sense that um, the access to be able to sell easily, to be able to share, you know, to pay for things through their phone, to be able to reinvent makes it because we used to have traditional jobs and traditional jobs were for the elders. Traditional jobs were for those that had finished school or had a skill. In that matter, but with technology now, youth are able to exchange, to create, whether it is through dance, whether it is through reinventing things, and they are capable of exchanging with more around the continent and around the world. And I think that is by itself, it's a bridge and it's an open door where the elders don't—you won't need to be that old anymore to take over. So these youth, they're having a greater economic independence, or boom that their previous parents or grandparents didn't have because of that access to technology.
0: And that concludes this episode of the WanderLearn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to WanderLearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. Ftapon is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember Ftapon. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wanderlearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon, encouraging you to wander and learn.